Chapter 44 Morning News Should we tell your dad? Nix asked the next morning on the way to first period. Jordan zipped up his jacket. Although it was only mid-September, winter seemed ahead of the curve. That Mr. Abendroth is out to get Sarah? He won't buy it. Speaking of unlikely scenarios, are you going to tell me how you really lost your ear? How did you- I'm not an idiot. You wouldn't have caught up to Pillowhead in your body. That's rude. Did a branch fall on your head or something? You just keep thinking that. Jordan took it for granted that she'd spill all her deepest secrets. Although Nix had planned to tell him about the opossums, maybe she would keep that little tidbit to herself for a while, at least until she figured out whether she could mind-control dog-sized rodents. Maybe she could enlist Belly's tutoring and put on an unforgettable show. She could even invite Tiago and Sarah. In a few months, Tiago will have forgotten about the whole CPR angel thing, hopefully. No rehearsal today, Jordan said. Finkbone is sick. In that case, we'll need to make sure someone's keeping an eye on Sarah. Jordan nodded half-heartedly and popped his gum. Nix didn't think he was supposed to be chewing gum with braces, but she figured he was nearly an adult now and could make his own decisions. I'll have to do it, Nix said. I'm thinking I'll travel to her house every half hour or so. It didn't sound all that fun, but anything was better than Sarah spending the afternoon doing who knows what with Woods Cross's most eligible European. Frost! Lunch detention! McGuckin's voice boomed through the hallway, sending freshmen scurrying like agoraphobic mice. Don't bother to swallow your gum, I've already seen it. Of course, Vice Principal, Jordan said in his purple dinosaur voice. There's nothing I'd rather do than spend my lunch period with you. He removed his gum and held it out to Nix. You want it? I could use some company in there. McGuckin didn't appear amused. If you enjoy detention so much, let's start now. He grabbed Jordan by the elbow and whisked him toward the door. Hey, let go my kodo, Jordan cried in a wildly offensive Spanish accent. McGuckin growled something that sounded very unprincipal-like and yanked harder. On the way out of the building, Jordan shot Nix a look that roughly translated to Beats going to class. See ya after school, Nix called with a grin. One day that boy was going to push McGuckin too far. She only hoped Tiago would be around with his camera phone when it happened. Nix had just finished telling Tiago why Jordan wouldn't be in class when Jordan waltzed in wearing a self-satisfied smirk. Ms. Winkle, he said. VP Mac G is on the news. Ms. Winkle put her book down and squinted at Jordan. What? McGuckin? As in, right this minute, Channel 9. She fixed Jordan with an, if this is a prank, you'll be sorry stare, and rolled the TV cart to the front of the room. As soon as she reached Channel 9, Daniel Fry cackled. A misty glamour shot of McGuckin in a leather jacket took up half the screen. What appears to be paranormal activity, a female Asian anchor said. Our experts were not able to find any evidence that the video has been tampered with. But we'll let you decide whether the images are authentic or an elaborate hoax. The footage you are about to see is disturbing and may be too intense for small children. Turn it up, Loaf said. The entire screen flickered and the Hainsworth mansion appeared. The white pillars, the only visible details in the grainy low-light image. Polly Parker loudly identified it as Sarah's house, as if anyone didn't already recognize it. 
Others continued to discuss McGuckin's glamour shot, speculating whether he'd taken it for a dating website profile. In excruciating slowness, the camera approached the open front door and entered. Although the screen only showed shadowy shapes, the audio had apparently been clarified and boosted. Fawn's quiet yelp was perfectly audible. McGuckin's scream was deafening, as was the sound of the camcorder rattling to the floor. Nick smiled. That would have been when she pulled the scissors from Fawn's grip and they'd hit McGuckin in the face. Who's there? he asked. These first few minutes had been unimpressive, hardly newsworthy, but showing the entire scene was probably meant to lend credibility to the sensational ending. Nix desperately wanted to reveal to the class what would happen and how she'd been responsible for it all, but that would result in both ridicule and complications down the road. So she contented herself to enjoy the students' uncharacteristic classroom reverence. Despite the lack of visibility, all eyes were permaglued to the screen. The outline of Sarah's back window swam into view. An ominous creak made McGuckin pause. Then the camera jostled wildly. Nix pictured the spider crawling away into the darkness and McGuckin pretending not to be shaken. The crow hit the window and made several students scream. McGuckin touched the broken glass. Nix began to wonder about the legal implications of their little prank. She glanced at Jordan, who sat watching with an enormous grin. He didn't seem worried. Hopefully the video wouldn't result in one or more of them getting jailed or sued. Then it got to the good stuff, and Nix forgot to be worried. Bright orange light reflected off the window. McGuckin shouted and swung the camera around to take in the burning arrangement of silk flowers. This brought gasps and laughs from the students. Nix grinned along with Jordan, not caring if they seemed suspicious. McGuckin stepped toward the flames and watched the plastic flowers twist and melt. Three sheet-covered forms appeared at the top of the stairs. Although the light from the fire illuminated them somewhat, the shadows were deep enough to make them spooky. They shouted boo, and Fawn fell backward down the stairs. Ms. Winkle cried out and moved toward the TV, as if she could catch her. The footage froze and the voice of the anchorwoman explained that the girl, whose identity was protected, had not been seriously injured, and that the figures on the stairs were not actual apparitions, but local high school students reportedly playing a prank. Then the anchorwoman grew somber and said that what came next was much harder to explain. The footage resumed and the dark-haired girl with the blurred face sank into the carpet as if it had been marshmallow cream. The students' reactions didn't disappoint. Despite the detailed accounts that had already circulated the school, it was another thing entirely to see it on television. Fawn shouted for help. Leo slid down the stairs and attempted a rescue, only to get stuck in the carpet as well. Since he was over 18 and had apparently given his permission, Leo's face had not been blurred. The newswoman identified him as a neighbor. Jordan and Sarah appeared and tried to pull out Fawn and Leo. By this point, the class was in hysterics both the delighted and horrified kind. The lights came on, and what had previously been a mysterious paranormal event abruptly became clinical, undeniable evidence that Sarah kept a pit of quicksand at the foot of her stairs. Daddy! Sarah screamed. They never got to see Mr. Hainsworth. McGuckin swung the camera toward the charred flower remains, which were now organizing themselves into a spider wolf. The video paused again. The anchor reiterated that none of those involved had been permanently harmed, 
that none of their analysts had been able to explain the images and that what came next was disturbing enough to be dangerous for people with heart conditions. She repeated viewer discretion advised twice. The moment the footage resumed, the screams in the classroom were more or less constant, completely covering the TV audio. The sooty creature grew exponentially, jumped to the top of the stairs, then dragged a wide-eyed Mr. Hainsworth onto the ceiling. It looked much worse on video than it had in real life. The black monster seemed to be ripping out his throat. Polly Parker sobbed. Danny stood with his back against the wall. Loaf looked angry, as if he thought the whole thing was a hoax designed to make him look stupid. Walter Snodgrass wasn't screaming, but he looked a little green. Ms. Winkle just watched. Her mouth opened so wide that someone with any athletic ability could have thrown a ping-pong ball into it. Jordan and Nix seemed to be the only ones smiling. Without warning, the creature collapsed and Mr. Hainsworth fell onto the stairs. Dark debris showered onto him and the carpet victims, who seemed relieved that the floor had once again become solid. The news anchor reappeared, looking distinctly flustered. We're getting a message that the U.S. Department of the screen went to colored bars. It was a mark of how affected Ms. Winkle was that she let the monotonous tone continue for a full 30 seconds before finally shutting the TV off. The class descended on Jordan with a flurry of questions. Although it had been general knowledge that Nix and Tiago had also been at Sarah's that night, neither of them had made it on TV. Truth be told, Nix was glad Jordan was taking the attention. After all the storytelling she'd been doing lately, it was nice to let someone else answer the questions. Ms. Winkle tried half-heartedly to restart the lesson, then gave up. Nix noticed that Tiago's face was as pale as she'd ever seen it. Are you okay? Tiago shook his head. I'd forgotten how it was. My dad is right. The devil is real. They're ghosts, Jordan said from his desk, still surrounded by curious classmates. Everything paranormal doesn't have to be Satan trying to eat our souls, Tiago scowled. All beings are on one of two sides, gods or Satans. There is no middle ground. It bothered Nix that he relegated her and Belly so easily to the side of demons and darkness especially since she'd also caused Tiago's angelic manifestation that had reaffirmed his faith. And it's not like Belly had hurt anyone. Very little educating happened that day. With the student body in upheaval at the news of McGuckin's now-famous footage, not to mention his hasty departure from campus, the faculty gave up trying to enrich young minds and settled for preventing serious injury in 50-minute increments. One unexpected benefit was that Mr. Slowey put off the big algebra test which Nix hadn't studied for, until the following Monday. Throughout the day, Jordan continuously pestered Nix to divulge her ear-loss secret, but there was always someone close enough to listen in. At lunch, several people confronted Nix with questions. How did you know the scissors were in McGuckin's bag? Can we see your ear hole? Are you going to get plastic surgery? Were you really at Sarah's the night McGuckin shot his home video? Do you know what McGuckin's first name is? The last came from Beryl, who apparently had just been apprised of the ongoing Rumpelstiltskin challenge. Ms. Winkle let the home at class play hangman on the chalkboard, at least until Danny started adding parts to make the victim more anatomically correct. It looked like the only way Nix and Jordan would be able to have a private conversation was to walk home. But upon stepping outside, Nix found the campus in prison riot stage. Something big was happening. The crowds of students and teachers screamed, laughed, and sprinted in various directions, 
as if they'd all been possessed by Tiago's prophesied demon hordes. Eventually, Nix and Jordan got close enough to see what was causing the ruckus. Two enormous opossums waddled around the grounds, sniffing at students, chasing teachers, and generally disproving every known fact about their species. One had a dead bird in its mouth. Stay back, everybody, Tiago shouted over the laughter of the students. Opossums are nocturnal. These could be rabid. Nix, Jordan called. Grab one of those boulders. If we drop it on them just right. He trailed off under Tiago's glare. Walter Snodgrass cried out. The pair of opossums had knocked him over in their effort to... Oh no, 